With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Double header at Adelaide Oval tonight. Double header too at the SCG tomorrow night as we get to the pointy end of the WBBL season. Of course, we've got this all-important T20 series, don't we? between Australia and India. They're talking about little else. We thought we'd drag out our good mate Lockham McCurdy to chat cricket and AFL and anything else going on in sport. He's on the line right now. Evening, Lock. Good evening, mate. I've had to listen through some of these dad jokes. I don't know how long I want to be on the line. Oh, come on. The people go, they're the worst secret. I love it. You know, every time people go, they're horrible jokes, and they're the same people that are telling their workmates the next day. Guaranteed. (laughs) Yeah, that's fair enough. Put them in the back pocket for later. That's fine. We'll do that. DJ Tiger Lily and DJ Franco. That, that's you know more up your alley. You're a bit younger and hipper than I am, Lachlan. You familiar with them? Are they any good? Oh, I know a bit of Tiger Lily, young Franco. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to getting down to the SCG on Sunday for the, the double header. It should be great. It should be great. So Tiger Lily, as Tim informed me, has a sister in the hockey ruse. There you go. Um, yes, yes, that's right. I, I believe that's right, yeah. Uh, See, so if anyone knew that, I know you would know that. Uh, just an update, WBBL. So Brisbane Heater defeated the Thunder by 22 runs, 8 for 160 in the Thunder, 9 for 138. Jess Donaldson, player of the match. And then following this, uh, a cracking game too, isn't this one coming up? Lockie, the Strikers and the Scorchers. So basically we're seeing the four teams that are going to feature in the finals. Yeah, I think so. It's pretty much set in now, albeit uh, an absolute disaster from the Sydney Thunder on Sunday. So... Yeah, it's looking pretty settled. Adelaide have, have got off to this game against the Scorchers quite strong, and I think they're looking in a in a very good spot to go back-to-back and probably straight to the final as the, the hosts, I think. Yeah, three for 14 at the moment, the Perth Scorchers. Did you catch any of the cricket last night, or did you forget like it was on? Oh, look, I'll be honest. Uh, I got up this morning and watched the highlights. I, I think after the amount of late nights we've done this year with the Ashes Tell me about the it. World Cup, I thought, yeah. you know what, the, these five games, I think I can give these ones a miss. Yeah, you're not wrong. Isn't it funny? It's like, you know, this this is all the BCCI is doing, isn't it? You know, they get the TV money for it. But, I mean, it's it must be so hard to get up for. Do you remember after England won the T20 World Cup last year, they had those 50-over games? You could not see a team that were less interested in playing cricket than England were and the Aussies, I'd say the Aussies matched them, but it was actually a very good game of cricket in the end. Yeah, there were some really good ones. I remember um, Travis Head had his big 150-odd uh, down at the MCG, which was a fantastic innings. But it's just, it's when it's put in those sort of shoehorned into little dates in the calendar, you just go, oh, what, what, is, what is the value of, of these cricket matches? I think that's the big thing that it used to be a lot of these games had values. They meant they counted towards something. When now mm. it's just like, why are they playing them? And you can tell the players are like, look, we want to kind of be at home. We want to be able to celebrate our World Cup win. Just a quick word on the World Cup win. Uh, what did you make of it? Were you as stunned as everyone else when Pat Cummins said, you know what, we'll have a bowl? Oh, yeah, I was stunned. I was getting the group chats going and going, what on earth is he doing? Yeah. But he, he proved us all wrong. The Aussie bowlers, as Josh Hayeswood said when he got home the other day, oh, we made him look good with our performance. But mm-hmm. no, it was it was pretty superb the, the way they read the conditions, they kind of were able to see what that wicket was going to do. And, yeah, it paid off. They they did a great job restricting India in that innings and then 
Travis Head, sure, he might have been lucky in the sort of the first 10 overs to get through, but from that point on, it was a, a chanceless innings. That, you talk about that first 10 overs of Australia's chase. That, that was gripping cricket, and they knew that was when India were going to be at the most dangerous. A harder ball, Boomerah firing, um, Shami firing, was hooping around. They got Warner, and then, you know, Smithy strangely didn't review because he reviews everything quicker than Watto ever did. <laughs> and then you looked at the replay, and initially I thought, no, nah, that, that's pretty plumb. Hit him outside the line. I said, "You've got to be kidding me!" Like three wickets, maybe it is not going to be our night. And mm. then it, uh, it it flattened out, it stabilised, and the Aussies ended up deserving winners. Yeah, absolutely. It was the sort of thing where Marnus's innings was so crucial. Just his ability to kind of withstand some of that pressure. I think it was nine or thirty-two at one mm. point, and just went, "You know what? I'm going to anchor down here." And then I know that if Trav stays in, he can get going. And that's exactly what happened. And in the end, they, they did it in a bit of a canter towards the back end of the, the innings. What was funny was, was it the ICC that said, oh, David Warner's last of a World Cup goes out in the flurry and they posted all his stats. And then Warner quote tweeted, uh, really said who? Or something along those lines. Uh, <laughs> you'd remember better than me. But it's fanciful to think that he'd go on. But, you know, he's a pretty determined individual. I think he'd be, what, 40 the next time the World Cup rolls mm-hmm. around. Yeah, it'll be one of those interesting ones in terms of, like we're talking about now, how much cricket these guys will be playing in between now and the next sort of World Cup in South Africa that you go, surely he can't go another four years. But if he's giving up test cricket sort of the end of this summer and he's he maybe winds back down on some of the other stuff and just becomes that white ball specialist, who knows? But yeah, you, you have to say it would be tough for him to make it that far. But he had a pretty, pretty good tournament, so... Uh, I think we've learned not to ride Davy off too quickly by now. Well, we know that he's announced that this will be his last summer in the five-day version of the game. We've got the PM's 11 announced. It gets underway in Canberra next week, I think it is. And, of course, it's a shootout. And Marcus Harris, Cam Bancroft and Matt Renshaw all been named. Yeah, absolutely. That There's three guys there who have all been in pretty good form for the most part of this Sheffield Shield season who get a chance to kind of go, yeah, I should be the next man up. And... It'll be really interesting because you look at the, the runs on the board so far this season, you go, well, it has to be Cam Bancroft. But you also take into account the context of the decision. You've got Marcus Harris and Matt Renshaw both being involved in the Ashes Tour. Um, they both were sort of over as part of that group. You've got Cam Bancroft and, and his comments in sort of 2020 and 21 about what actually happened in Cape Town. There's, there's all these little things that are going to play into it. So as much as it probably should be just uh, who's batting the best at the moment, it, it just feels like it won't be. There's going to be all these little bits of context that has to be taken into account. Now, you've been following the AFL draft pretty closely. You know, Gibbo's in mm. Melbourne at the moment. They're just mad for that, aren't they? The televised yeah. draft. It's, I'll never understand it. But uh, New South Wales and Queensland, Lockie, had drawn a, a bit of attention after, I guess, drawing on their academy picks in the draft, much to the chagrin of the, the diehard Victorians. Yeah, so there's a, a few things at play here. So, obviously, the academy system has been set up in the AFL to kind of help promote this pathway of talent um, from the, the states that aren't traditionally Aussie rules states and, and get them into the competition. And we've seen a lot of guys, obviously, here in Sydney, you think of your, your Callum Mills and Isaac Heaney and Errol Gouldens, and then over at the Giants, we're seeing the emergence of someone like a Tom Green as well. So there's a lot of guys who have come through this system and basically in the drafts, if one of those guys gets bid on early, that the clubs whose academy they've been a part of, they can bid for them and kind of, match a bid and make sure that they come to their club, which is, I think is a generally well-supported thing. And the, the problem has been that some people are like, oh, they're not giving up enough to get these plays. And that came as a result of 
Gold Coast having four academy players bid on and then matching bids in the first round of the draft. And look, I think it's important to kind of differentiate the criticism of the academy system and the matching of the bids because I think everyone's generally supportive of growing the game up here and getting the academy system. It's just whether we need to kind of rethink about the, the value of those bids. But I think considering father-son bids in Victoria are such a big thing, you think of Nick Dacos, who has done so well. Yeah. Gold Coast gave up more than what Collingwood had to give up to get um, Nick Dacos into the father-son. So I think really it does feel a little bit like Victorians just being a bit disappointed that they couldn't get hold of these Gold Coast talents. Yeah, it's a real shame. And finally, your Sharkies, uh, Matty Moylan. No big surprise. It'll free up a bit of pack, cap space. Uh, obviously, Wade Graham retired as well. He's off to the Super League, and, and your man Toby Rudolph extends. Must be happy yeah, with the, that. the big man. I think he's going to have an important role to play. He had, a, obviously, a big injury this year, which saw him miss a few games. So it, it'll really give Braden Trindle a, a chance to go, OK, this is my team now. It'll be me and Nico steering this ship. And... Yeah, they just need to change something because as you and I have discussed many times, it's just sort of same old story for Canal. They they look good against the bottom teams, don't look so good against the top teams and that gets found out when it comes to finals. So hopefully uh, Fitzy's got something different planned this year because, uh, mm. yeah, they're going to need it. Except for Nico, he always looks good with that true, wet hair true. and the rest of it. <laughs> mate, I'll let you go. Always generous with your time. Enjoy your weekend. Anytime, mate. Thanks.